How are you doing? Good. Well, uh, hey, we are doing something a little different this weekend. Uh, I am Ben, as you can tell by the name tag. Uh, and uh, we're passing out the name tags. The great thing with seeing people react to the name tag, some of you are like, I'm not going to wear a name tag no matter what. Uh, others of you put someone else's name on there. That's really exciting uh, as well. Well, uh, the reason we're doing this is we're talking about uh, identity, about who we are in living out of that. Identity, uh, to get that right, uh, we can, it really affects everything in our life. Uh, I, I pastored for a while. I've talked about it for three and a half years. It only seemed like 30 in Kingman, Arizona. And uh, as I was in Kingman, Arizona, uh, there was a, a pastor who came after me. He was the, the interim pastor while they were uh, looking for a pastor. This man had gone through... Uh, number of difficulties in his life, had been divorced. And so he was there sort of filling that role for a period of time. Well, uh, during the time he was there, it was a longer time than uh, the church had anticipated. Hard to believe that they had a hard time getting a pastor to move to Kingman. Uh, But as as he was there, uh, he really fell in love uh, with a lady. And he thought it would be just a, a wonderful thing to do that in a worship service, if he would propose to her. And so, yeah, in, the, in this church, uh, during a worship service, he got down on his knees and he said, Sylvia, I love you. Will you marry me? Crickets. Worse than that, there was a gasp in the congregation. Sylvia was the name of his ex-wife. It was that bad, wasn't it? <laughs> you, you think about it, there are certain things that you don't want to get wrong in your life. Uh, we will try on different identities uh, in our life. Uh, in fact, I, I was going through some old pictures. Uh, some of them I cannot show you, <laughs> but these are uh, from when I, I was uh, younger. My brother sent uh, me some of these. Uh, the first one is of me and him. Uh, up there. Uh, we are gunslingers. Uh, that was, by the way, when uh, you kids could play with guns before you bubble wrapped them in a car and all of that. And uh, then the next one is this. We were little. My brother is taking the fifth. I wish I could tell you that was the last time he had to do that. <laughs> this was just practice for the future. Then this, yeah, there's that one. Uh, uh, that one, uh, a staff person uh, came up with that. Uh, I can't remember who he is. He doesn't work here anymore. Uh, the, uh, and then that's me when uh, my wife and I, when we got married. By the way, I put some of these photos on Facebook, and I had one comment that was reoccurring. You had a lot of hair back then, Ben. <laughs> uh, and, and then, of course, me today. So they, <laughs> we, 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 look about, we look at all the different uh, identities we try on growing up. And it, it's important because we're trying to figure out who we are. I'm going to be looking at a part of the Bible, the book of Ephesians, primarily chapter 2 and 4, where it talks about uh, identity, about who we are. And it's really important if you study that book of the Bible, the first three chapters uh, have to, they focus on who we are in Christ, a new person. If you be, decide to become a Christian, we, we become new from the, from the inside out. And then the last three chapters are what you're supposed to do, what, what, how we live out being a new person. 
Oftentimes what will happen, and, and sometimes especially in church environments, we focus on, hey, these are the things you're supposed to do when really it doesn't make any sense because we haven't really become or grabbed onto the person that God has created us uh, to be. Now, in, uh, in that book of the Bible, uh, it's written to a group of Christians who felt like uh, that, that they really didn't measure up. They wanted to follow God. They wanted to follow uh, Jesus, but they still felt like they were a little bit on the outside. And in fact, if, if you look at uh, some of the history around that, it's quite interesting. Uh, some, some of the Jewish people there who were not believers said, you know, you're really not part of God's family. God just came for our people. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Uh, and then the, the pagans, the non-Jewish people, uh, they actually called these new Christ followers atheists because, uh, it, because they only believed in one God and not many gods. And so they were really on the outs in a couple different accords. And we see uh, the Apostle Paul talks to them about who they are and what that means to live that out. Now, in the book of Ephesians, it talks about them uh, being chosen and predestined. And that's a word that can be really confusing. It's really important to understand this. Maybe you've heard some teaching on this before. When you hear that word, it almost always, every single time, has to do with the inclusion of non-Jewish people into God's family. It goes back to Genesis 12, 3, where God says uh, to the Jewish people, I have blessed you to be a blessing. And so it's in that context we read this verse, Ephesians uh, 2.13. It says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And this is great news, that the distance between us and God has been, uh, has been bridged. Uh, and the Apostle Paul will say again and again uh, who they are in Jesus. As I was thinking about that, I was thinking about some of the labels that we can put on uh, in our life. Some good, some bad. Uh, you think about this, one is uh, self-sufficient. You know, here I am, I, I can do it all on my own. I don't really need anyone else. Uh, you ask any two-year-old, they'll say, I do it myself. It could be addicted. Uh, we could get our identity in our struggle. One of the things I love about our Celebrate Recovery program uh, that deals with people who are struggling with all sorts of issues, whether they're chemical or eating or sexual addiction, is it begins with we are a Christian, a Christ follower who maybe struggles with that. But the addiction is not our identity. Maybe our label could be alone. Uh, you've gone through a breakup, uh, maybe even a divorce, or trapped. We feel that uh, maybe our current circumstances have brought us to a place where we don't feel like we can really get out of them. Well, as we uh, consider what it has to say in the book of Ephesians, one of the things we want to understand is the impact of what we believe about our own identity. Here's a key idea. If we believe something to be true, it has the same impact on us as if it were true. 
There was an experiment that they did called the SCAR experiment. I was reading about this. Uh, They grabbed a group of people. They had actually about 20 volunteers. And what they would do is they said, hey, we're going to put some makeup on you. And they had a professional makeup artist. And the makeup artist would uh, put a scar on them and and really uh, do, it would look like they were quite disfigured. And then they would tell them to go out uh, into the street that talk to people and go throughout their day. Well, they would have uh, the people, right as the makeup artist was done, look at themselves in the mirror. And so they would be, okay, that's, that's what I look like. Well, right before uh, they left, they were told, hey, don't, don't touch this. Don't, uh, you know, really got to leave it alone. Don't let your uh, fingers touch your face. And the makeup artist would say, I need to make one more adjustment. And the makeup artist would completely take off all of the makeup. And so, it, isn't it great to be a social scientist? You get to mess with people a little bit. And, but the people would come back, and they reported almost to a person. They said, yeah, people treated me differently. People were rude to me in a way that they had never been rude to me before. And they would uh, believe all these things when really nothing had changed about them. But they had believed for some reason that, that they uh, had something done to them that would make people treat them differently. So that's why it's so important to get this area of our life right. We read in Ephesians 4, 20 through 24, uh, the Apostle Paul is talking to the Ephesians about uh, not living out of their old identity, but living in their new identity. He says, that, however, is the way of life you learned uh, when you heard about Christ and were taught in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard, regard to the former self to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by deep, deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. He's, he's saying to them that uh, you have this idea, what you've believed about yourself, and you're still believing it, and it's affecting the way you live. And isn't it interesting in that passage of Scripture that putting on the new self is something active that we do? In fact, if you look in uh, the book of Ephesians, you'll see 11 times in the first 14 verses that the Apostle Paul uh, talks about them being in Christ. He says that's the truest thing about you. In fact, there's a book by David Lomas that I have in your resource section And uh, he he has an interesting ministry uh, in uh, the Bay Area. And he talks about not only what's true of you, but what's the truest thing about you. Uh, See, sometimes we will look at ourselves and we'll say, well, you know, I'm I'm divorced. Uh, I just lost my job. Uh, I've got maybe gotten some sort of trouble with the law. And, And that might be true about you. But is it the truest thing about you? The Apostle Paul would say, the truest thing about you, if you're a follower of Jesus, is that you are in Christ, and that that really changes everything about our identity. Some of us have been trying to uh, fix our behavior. Maybe it's an addictive issue, maybe uh, something relationally, where the Apostle Paul would say, why don't you focus first on who you are, 
And then you can worry about how you live that out. So what I want you to do uh, with our time left is I'm going to ask you to believe something and then to do something as well as we look at living this out. So uh, let's uh, look at our uh, first fill-in. What's true of me uh, when I'm in Christ? Number one, that I am chosen by God. Uh, part of my identity is who chose me. I'm, I was chosen by my wife, Terry, to be her husband 22 years ago. She made an excellent choice, I think. Uh, it says in Ephesians 1.4, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be home, homely, no, to be <laughs> holy and blameless in his sight. Uh, God chose us. Uh, and he, he chose us based on his decision, not on our behavior. And the only question we have is, are we going to respond to that? We also uh, learned that in Christ, I am adopted into God's family. We read, he, God, predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Now, that's uh, pretty interesting given the context of Ephesians. Uh, in Ephesus, people would take children that they didn't want, uh, and it could have been uh, they wanted a, uh, a boy and they got a girl, and they would just abandon them in this place uh, called Agora, and they would just leave them there. It could have been for other reasons. They couldn't take care of them. Uh, there was some uh, physical problem with them. And so literally, children were left there to die. One of the unique things about Christians, not only in Ephesus, but throughout the entirety of the Roman Empire, is they would take these children that were abandoned, and they would take care of them. And no other group of people would do anything like that. Now, the, the people in Ephesus would understand this word uh, adopted uh, because it would mean you belong. And if there's some of us, if we were going to be maybe honest, we might say the truest thing about our identity is that we feel abandoned, that maybe it was a boyfriend or a girlfriend uh, that, that you don't even know why. They just walked out of the relationship. Maybe it was a, a best friend who uh, just all of a sudden turned on you, and uh, maybe it was something you did and, and you felt like you could work it out. But there's just that, that distance of abandonment. It could have been your own parent. And when we take on that kind of identity, uh, it can devastate us. And so the Apostle Paul is talking to people who, some of them, their biggest identity would have been abandoned. And he says, you have been adopted into God's family. Interesting thing about Roman adoptions, uh, it would often happen that an adult would be uh, adopted, that you wouldn't, like, you'd sort of wait till the kid, uh, you know, figure out how they turned out, and you'd say, okay, yeah, you're okay. And uh, they would be adopted into uh, this new family, and they would get the rights, they would be co-heirs with the other children. And, and something else that was interesting is who they were, uh, any debts they had, uh, their former identity would be completely erased. And for most of them, that was incredibly good news. And so uh, to the Apostle Paul, he says, you're adopted into God's family. That's what's true of me in Christ. I am also loved unconditionally. 
Now, I almost didn't include this one uh, because in our society, uh, to say someone's loved can be such a broad meaning, it can also almost seem meaningless. But truly, out of being loved or our lack of love, uh, that can determine so much in our life. A lot of what we can do is try to prove to someone that we're lovable or try to receive love from someone who never loved us. It's interesting as the Apostle Paul talks about some of the bad behavior that had been going on, even among Christians. Yeah, and by the way, I know for some of you who are saying, Christians still sin? I don't, but some of you do. I know that. No, the, uh, uh, yeah, true. He said, Here, here's a problem. The problem isn't that you're not trying enough. The problem is you don't believe God enough. You don't believe what Jesus says about you, that you are completely wanted and loved in every way. And he says, once you believe that, then a natural outcome is going to be you behaving in a way that makes sense. See, the cross of Jesus Christ says that we are loved. And then number four, and this is where I'm going to spend uh, some more time, is I am gifted uniquely. Uh, We read this again and again. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ to do good works, which God has prepared us in advance to do. Sometimes we uh, have had people in our life who have discounted us. And for some of us, Uh, that devastates us, and we believe that, and we start to live in that. Others of us, it motivates us. I had one of my stepdads, which is a whole different story. (laughs) My mom was married eight times. Uh, His name was Ed. And Ed said to me, uh, you know, you should just drop out of school because you're, you're just dumb like I am. And uh, so Ed, that is, that sort of spurred me on. Uh, I didn't, and I got uh, into the University of Washington, uh, and uh, I think Ed got five to ten, some time off with good behavior. The, <laughs> wish I was kidding. No, the, the, the truth is, is I could have let that define me. Do you know why he said that? Because it, it was a time in my life where I was struggling academically. My grades said the same thing that he was saying. But there was a teacher, this, this teacher in high school, she, was, she loved Jesus and she was crazy, both at the same time. And uh, it, it's, she, she sort of took me, under, in fact, one time I was in her class and I think I was getting a D. And this was not too long after my biological father died. And so I was just, I was just struggling incredibly in school. And so I was getting a D or a C minus or something like that. And she said, I'm going to fail you. As, and literally, she, this is, by the way, back when teachers could do what they wanted to without getting arrested. She said, because uh, you can do better than that. And I'm not going to allow you to be that person. And she challenged me. And later on, I got an academic scholarship uh, to University of Washington. I had to bribe someone, but I did get it. I don't say that so you'll think I'm smart. 
because most of you are way smarter than I am. I say that to let you know that there was a time in my life when someone who could have been really influential, when some of my own behavior was saying something about me, but someone else stepped in and said something differently, and it changed the trajectory of my life. See, some of us right now, you're letting your circumstance and the people around you, and it may be not be academics, it may be finances, it could be relationships, you're believing something that does not have to be true if you are in Jesus Christ. And the question is, is will you get someone in your life, will you, will you let God speak into your life in such a way where you can go a different direction. I've seen it happen time and time again. When I was, I was a college pastor in the area uh, before I, uh, uh, for a couple years after uh, seminary, then I went down to Arizona and California and enjoyed some sunshine for a while and came back up here because they tricked me. And, you know, as I was college pastor, there was a, a young man in our college group, and he, was, he dealt with some social difficulties. And it would be very easy when you would meet him to say, you know, this guy, he's just, he's going to be limited in this way in his life. I kid you not, uh, some guys in the college group, they were, you know, sort of jocks, cool guys. They say it sort of took him under, his, under their wing. And they started to include him, and my guess, in a way that he had never been included before. And when it came to his friends, his education, his finances, his relationship with Jesus, literally everything changed. You would not believe it. And even what he believed about God changed. See, when, I remember when I first met him, he said, I'm not sure if I believe in God. But then he allowed other people in his life who would speak differently to him. Who's speaking that to you? You know, one of the things we talk about, uh, we're going to talk about ministry teams today. We talk about groups as well. I know people who their marriages have been completely saved, not because of anything I've said from stage, not because of any therapist. They flunked out of therapy three, four, five, six times, but because they allowed other people in their life who loved Jesus and loved them, and everything changed. And so my question to you is, would you allow that to happen in your life? We all have gifts and abilities. I want to talk about that. Uh, God made every one of us unique. Some of us more unique than others. <laughs> and uh, we, we all have things that, that God will use not only so you can live a wonderful life, so you can bless other people. Some of them are called spiritual gifts that God gives you when you became a Christ follower. Others of them are just natural uh, abilities that we have. You know, I li- like a room like this. Okay, even uh, Issaquah Duval, you raise your hands too. Uh, any of you good with math? Okay, good. Yeah, lots of you in uh, this area. Any of you wiggle your ears? Okay, that's great. Roll your tongue. Hear voices in your head? <laughs> just me. <laughs> Kill the man in the red shirt. Okay, no, the, uh, no we all, we, truly, we all have different abilities that God has, has given us. I remember the first time uh, I spoke, I was a young life leader, loved that ministry, was part of it for many years, uh, and uh, the first time I got the opportunity to speak, uh, I've, I've shared the story before, there was a question and answer, and people would hand on little notes 
uh, afterwards, they'd ask questions. First question was, why do you speak with your zipper down the whole time? <laughs> I about died. And you know what? It was, it was one of the most embarrassing moments in my life. And, and I could have stopped then. But I thought, you know what? This one mistake, this one failure is not going to define me. In fact, it's interesting. God says that he uses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And you know what, you, you know what part of that is? is God working in our point of weakness for us to make the greatest difference. You know, one of the things I've, I've noticed time and time again is uh, that when we try to impress other people, it just doesn't, no one really cares. But when we help people understand how God has been present in our life, it makes all the difference in the world. Number five. I'm called to make a difference. In fact, uh, some of us are frustrated in our faith uh, because we, we haven't lived this out yet. Because we think it's about getting our behavior right or our belief right. And those are, those are important. But it's also understanding who God called us to be. Ephesians 4.1, it says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. It's a calling that God has already given us. And then Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. It says, Christ, gave, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Each one of us is called to make a difference. And so I, I don't know if I've done my job like I'd hoped to, to, do, to do today, But the number one thing I wanted you to understand is that in Christ, you are chosen, you are loved, you are valued, you are gifted. But if you just understand that and you don't do anything with it, there's going to be an emptiness in your Christian life. Some of you are frustrated with God and you're blaming other people, and the truth is is that you have not lived out your calling and you will not grow in your faith. You will not be satisfied until you say, God, here I am, send me. I want want you to maybe do an experiment this week. Uh, First of all, uh, just go out and do something for yourself. Go go to the Folklife Festival. Uh, Maybe you shouldn't go to the Folklife Festival. Uh, Go out to a movie Uh, Go on a romantic evening with your spouse. You can say, Pastor Ben said so. And uh, see see how you feel. And then go do something for someone else. Meet a need. Talk to someone about your faith. Serve someone. Maybe you'd even serve someone at the margins of society. Go down the Union Gospel Mission. And at the end of it, see which one made the biggest difference in your life. My, uh, my challenge today is that uh, you would maybe, if you haven't yet, understand who you are and live that out by saying, God, I'm going to be part of making a difference in the world. If you're here and you say, Ben, I don't even believe in Jesus yet, that's where it begins. It's not about you doing something first. It's about who you are in Jesus. 
But then it's about saying, God, I want to make a difference for you. In your programs, uh, we have, uh, and, I, and I'm going to come back to that in a moment, well, we have some opportunities. And, and here's one of the things I wanted to do, is I want to make this very practical and give you an opportunity. Maybe it's just a one-time place to serve somewhere in the church. Your ministry doesn't have to be limited to the church, but usually that's where it's going to start. But before I come back and we look at that, uh, I want you to just see around our various campuses uh, some of the opportunities uh, to serve people in the name of Jesus and really what that means in our life. I'm Bill Anderson, and I serve on the Greeting and First Impressions team here at Timberlake Church. Greeting is an opportunity to meet guests and members of the church on their way in, a chance to shake hands, say hello, and welcome to Timberlake. Really, we greet people in the parking lot, we greet people at the front door, we greet people at the, at, at the entry, entry to the sanctuary, and really my job is just, I'm just kind of the caboose of the, uh, of the greeting process. I'm Bear Nielsen, and I serve on the First Impressions team as an usher. Hi, my name is Katie. I lead the kindergarten through second grade class. I serve because I just generally love kids, and I love the mission of Timberlake reaching families. Agrita um, helps welcome people into church, gives them um, programs, make sure they have uh, maybe taking the coffee, just making sure that they're comfortable and learn how to navigate their way around. My name is John. I serve here as a greeter at Timberlake. Hi, my name is Robin and I serve at the Connect Center here at Timberlake. I love the opportunity to connect with people and get to know people on a different le level than I would just attending. On the Sunday mornings that I serve here at Timberlake, it gives me a chance to get up in the morning and start to concentrate a little bit more on what's ahead of me at church instead of just getting up, rushing through a couple of cups of coffee and heading off to church to listen to the message makes me pause and think, okay, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? And who might I be meeting today that I might have an impact on their life and their relationship with Christ? It allows for me to um, spiritually involve myself with other people and have those conversations that I probably wouldn't have had as much otherwise. Serving has um, humbled me in so many ways. Um, it's given me an opportunity just to get plugged in and learn and relate to what we as Christians should be doing because Christ himself came to serve so we should be following his example and when you serve you actually feel fulfilled and uh, grateful for what you have. I serve because it's a chance for me to get to see everybody on Sunday morning on their way into service. It's a chance for me to do something that makes me feel like I'm a part of the Timberlake community and that I'm doing my part in helping to get the church's message out to people. You can do one week in a month, you can do one week in every other month. Um, it's just an hour of your time to pour yourself into others, help other people come to know Jesus, which is why we're all here at Timberlake. The people that are willing to get involved uh, should just make themselves available. It's not about uh, being um, great at something, it's making yourself usable, teachable, trainable, and coachable in terms of the things of God. And that sort of builds you and makes you um, grow in your Christian faith as well. You know, you can explore those things and, and just be willing to say yes um, and give it a try because you'd be surprised, you know, this is something that I didn't think I wanted to do and 
it, I discovered that it's something that I love to do. If I were to say anything to someone who was on the fence about serving, I would say, absolutely, it is awesome, 100%, no going back. So this is where I put on the white patent leather shoes and uh, challenge some of you. Uh, I figure you're here this weekend. This is Memorial Day weekend. I figure you're here because you're either a committed believer in Jesus Christ or you really are out of money at the end of the month. <laughs> and my hope is, is that, that you would make that commitment to make a, a difference in the lives of other people. So if, if you look at this, go ahead and uh, gr- uh, take this out. And I know some of you are, most, many of you are serving. In fact, about 50% of the people who attend Timberlake are serving somewhere. The average church is about 20%. And you might say, well, doesn't that mean you have enough people? This is not what we or God wants from you. It's what God wants for you is you're part of a ministry team making a difference. And so uh, we have the opportunity, if you say, hey, you know, just put your name, email, phone, and you might say, hey, I'm unsure where I want to serve. I want to talk to someone. I don't even know what I'd be good at. Or there's one-time serve opportunities like summer barbecue team. That's an easy one, grilling in the name of Jesus. Uh, Summer camps. Do you know that there are people every year who work during the year who take a week of vacation off work to serve in our summer camps? I meet people year after year who do that. Uh, Or maybe the administrative support, the care team, the facilities, first impressions, growth group. This isn't everyone. The IT team. We should have, around this area, we should have someone, right? Uh, Kids and youth. uh, Music team. By the way, you have to, there's an audition for that too, because if you can't sing, we're not going to let you up here. (laughs) But you can sing out there in Jesus' name. Okay, the... uh, uh, our, our, our outreach team, safety, you name it. It's about saying, because of who I am in Christ, this is who I want to be and what I want to do in Christ. You might say, Ben, you don't know about my past. Uh, I talk to people, people who've served in ministry leadership before and have come to a place where they failed themselves and they failed their family. And if, if you find yourself in a place like that, I just want you to know that the grace of Jesus Christ was not only to bring you to him through the cross for salvation, but that he continues that redeeming work in your life. And maybe this would be the turning point where you say, the thing that used to define me was failure, was unfaithfulness. See, that does not define me anymore because I am in Jesus Christ. And that's the truest thing about me. And and you might say, Ben, uh, hey, that's great, but that's not me. I'm just one of those people who wandered in here this weekend. And that can change even today, if you want it to. I'd like to include you all in a prayer.